Welcome to Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur. My name is Sean Walcha, founder of Cali BBQ and Cali BBQ Media in life in the restaurant business and in the new creator economy. We learn through lessons and stories. We are grateful to Toast, our primary technology partner at our barbecue restaurants for believing in this show, uh, believing in the power of storytelling, believing in the power of technology to help uh, power restaurants all over the United States um, and for giving us this opportunity to have a really cool conversation. I have been following this brand digitally um, I haven't had the, the opportunity to experience the barbecue, but as someone that's been in the barbecue game for 15 years, um, there aren't many people who do it well. And the people that do it well, we admire from afar, and we're lucky to sometimes share that barbecue story. Today, we have Misha Majid, who is the co-founder, co-CEO of Mighty Quinn's Barbecue. Misha, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. So uh, favorite random question to start the show is where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage, or venue? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, Madison Square Garden. MSG. MSG, yep. Right, MSG. So we're going to go uh, to MSG. I'm going to talk to Entrepreneur, talk to Toast, talk to some other brand partners of ours, uh, and we're going to do a TEDx-style hospitality conference. I'm not oh, talking wow. about a panel, so I'm not going to put you on a panel. I'm going to put you on center court, and I'm going to give you the mic and say, Misha, I need I need you to, to give us this entire crowd, this MS, MSG crowd. Um, I need you to, to know the story. I, I need that oh shit story from when you jumped off the cliff. Investment banking into barbecue? Well, what, what happened? Tell, yeah, tell well, us the Mighty Quinn story. Sure. Well, first of all, speaking on the floor of the garden, not intimidating at all. So this is fine. <laughs> you got so Spike no Lee. I'll invite Spike Lee just for this. No pressure. Um, so when I started with the brand, you know, I was actually, I was kind of post-banking. I was, I was doing my hedge fund career and we opened Mighty Quinn's really as a brick and mortar version of what was a pop-up at the time. We were smoking meats on the back of a pickup truck in Brooklyn. And by we, I mean my our other co-founder, Hugh. And we just saw, you know, the lines were, were forming instantaneously. The lines would last all day long. And basically, you know, the time we closed is the, is the time we sold out. You know, there were no breaks. We were just basically slicing brisket for, you know, whatever it was, six or seven hours straight. And so we said, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe the fact that New York is this amazing culinary destination and it's kind of bizarre that you can't find legit barbecue. Like, why is that? So we kind of tested that idea by opening our brick and mortar in the East Village. And, you know, three months after we opened that store, we found ourselves on the cover of the New York Times dining section with this glowing review. And that was like the, the holy shit moment. That's insane. Yeah. Bring me back to before that. I need to know, I need to know what was compelling enough because people that listen to the show were fortunate as an entrepreneur. You know, this goes out to, to millions of people all over the world who care about hospitality, different leaders, and some of them are in leadership positions. Other ones dream of maybe yeah. one day that I could have my own restaurant or food brand or be a creator for in the food space. You you made a big leap getting into this hospitality game. Sure. So it, it wasn't a coincidence. So when I was when I was managing money at, at the hedge fund I was at, you know, we always looked for businesses that could scale very quickly without a lot of capital. So we, you know, we view those as high return on invested capital businesses. And so there are certain, there are certain characteristics of businesses that check those boxes, like software companies, right? Um, not 
something like, you know, just to take the other side of the, the coin, you're like a mining operation where you have to min- spend millions of dollars on trucks and lease land and right, very capital intensive, labor intensive thing. So we always look for these businesses with high returns because they could scale quickly and obviously valuations could scale much faster. And so when we thought about building a brand, it had a lot of those dynamics in it, right? Yes, we're opening a restaurant. There's four walls. It's a physical space. However, we knew if we could create a brand, then that thing could become its own its own business. And we could use the IP power of Mighty Quinn's to expand into new regions. And that's kind of how the franchising business took off. You know, we wanted to create a meaningful brand presence in the Northeast under this category. And then, you know, by doing so, we said, okay, let's try to leverage this investment, this IP and open up in new markets. And that's how kind of the, the growth plan formed. Can you give us an idea of the scale and scope of the operation as we sit in 2023? Sure. The, the end? Yeah, yeah. So, we'll, you know, we'll finish the year with about um, 19 locations, in, including our stadiums. And I think, you know, for next year right now, we'll probably open at least seven, six or seven more doors. That's amazing. Can you give us an idea of what those footprints look like before you get in? Before we talk stadium, let's talk brick and mortar. What yeah. do those four walls look like, the concepts? Sure. So a little different than like a traditional multi-unit scaling plan where all the boxes kind of look similar. We took a little bit of a different approach and we want to open the right real estate for that market. So for example, you know, we have a location down on Wall Street. We're in a 650 square foot, you know, almost like enlarged, it, it part of a dining concourse, but it's almost like a giant kiosk, right? In this big dining hall. That's one version. And then in Clifton, we have a, you know, 3,500 square foot, you know, brick and mortar restaurant in New Jersey, right? Two, two very different things, the exact same menu, but from a real estate perspective, very different, right? Yeah. So when we scale, we kind of use that lens to kind of look at each market differently and say, okay, what does this market need? Does it need a dining room? Does it need a bar? Is it solely a takeout take and delivery market, you know, whereby we would have like an 800 square foot box? So we do that analysis first and then we then we go find the real estate. Can you tell me, do you have a commissary? Oh, uh, we do, yeah. Okay. And is that is that also servicing takeout in in, in a restaurant or is that so, commissary? Yeah, so we, we, the commissary we built because we had we had a few locations where we couldn't smoke on site, and then the stadium business started getting big. So we're in four stadiums now. So we that, which that's ones? Kind of, uh, so we're in the Garden, um, where I'm speaking to you now from. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, 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 Yankee Stadium. Uh, then we have UBS Arena, which is relatively new, the home of the Islanders, and then we're in the Prudential Center, home of the Devils. I love it. Can you explain to me the 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 reasoning behind stadiums? Sure. Especially when you're talking about craft barbecue. I mean, we're talking yeah. about the best of the best. Well, the cool thing we saw, or I would say over the past 15 years, is stadiums have evolved from burgers and chicken tenders, right? Out of the out of the freezer into the fryer into elevating elevated culinary experiences. And by virtue of that, they needed to bring brands in who kind of knew what they were doing, right? And so as we saw each stadium kind of turn over the F&B operations, we found ourselves in conversations like, how do we get barbecue into the stadium? And like, that's, you know, to be honest, the first one was Yankee Stadium. And just by sheer coincidence, the guy who was handling that F&B program lived on the Upper East Side and was a fan of our restaurant. So that's how that conversation started. And then then the garden saw us doing that. And then the garden said, hey, why don't we give this a shot too? We opened one, you know, did very well. We opened a second one in the garden, you know, a few months later. So there's, there's two locations in the garden. So I think like as people 
went to sporting events and concerts, you know, the expectation of having like an awesome food experience in tandem with that entertainment experience became a much more important thing. And so that's how I think the elevated offering came to be. Are you exploring other non-traditional locations, airports, breweries, anything of that nature or more on the franchising side? Um, we've had a couple conversations with airports. Those are a little, a little more tricky just for our concept. You know, you need three day parts, which is not a huge lift, but it's a little bit different. Um, so, you know, I'll never say never, uh, but right now it's really, we're really focused on kind of more traditional corporate brick and mortar and franchise brick and mortar. Huge news. Toast, our primary technology partner at our barbecue restaurants in San Diego and the primary technology partner of so many of the guests that we have on this show have announced they are expanding their business offerings with Google. So now if you search on Google Maps and you sign up for Toast Tables or Toast Waitlist, you will have the opportunity to improve the digital hospitality experience of the guest, allow them to book through the maps into the Toast Reservation system. One of the biggest difficulties that restaurant guests have is when they search for your restaurant and they want a table, they do not have an easy solution to book a table or to get on a wait list. This is huge news for the restaurant industry, huge news for guests and huge news for you, the restaurant owner. Check out Toast Tables today and find out the new integrated solution that they have. This is something that we've wanted for a long time. How do you integrate reservations, wait lists into your point of sale? Toast has done it. Check it out. Bring me back to... Give, give me the name story, the story of the name. Oh, Mighty Quinn's. So uh, when we started the business in Brooklyn, uh, uh, Hugh's eldest son was named Quinn. So it was named after Quinn. And no, uh, no affiliation with like a Bob Dylan song or a Denzel Washington movie. Just, just because does he, Quinn does he Quinn. work? Does he work in the business? Not anymore, no. Not anymore, no. <laughs> well, his name lives on. His name, his lives, name lives on. on yes, that's, yes. That's awesome. Can you... Uh, how many stores before you started franchising? Uh, we were probably at around six or seven. And the only reason we started franchising early was because we had outreach from a, um, a group out of Dubai who wanted to bring traditional American barbecue to the region. So at the time, we were like, you know, this is kind of a cool idea. And to be honest, like if it, if it didn't work out, we didn't really see any kind of brand reputation risk at home. Right. So we said, OK, this is an all upside opportunity. Let's go out there. Let's train these guys. Let's open up barbecue in Dubai. And so we did that and we realized that we could actually train what we're doing, you know, you know, to a team on the other side of the planet. Right. So if we could do that, maybe we could do this in Boston. Maybe we could do this in Florida. And that's how we kind of started to develop the systems and protocol and training of the franchise program. Do you have, is there a Mighty Quinn's in Dubai now? There is. Yeah. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. How's it doing? Yeah. Uh, good, good. It's uh, it's on JBR Beach, which is like a nice restaurant row strip. Um, you know, seasonal in this in the sense that like obviously the summer months are extremely quiet. It's like you know very hot, um, but for the eight to nine months out of the year, it does it does good. Any other plans for more locations in Dubai? Uh, or or internet or or international? Um, maybe with this group. Um, you know, we do get inquiries every now and again. Uh, this this group is looking at some Saudi opportunities, but you know, we're really kind of just if they find something interesting, we'll pursue it with them. But really, fo we're focused domestically. Nice. Um, I'd love for you to talk more about uh, barbecue over the bar barbecue by mail, Gold Belly. Oh, Gold Belly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so another business that kind of grew out of a commissary, um, we, we, we didn't have the, the room to kind of burden a, a restaurant kitchen with, you know, smoking and freezing product to, to ship. So we used the commissary for that. And, you know, at the time it was, it was a slowly, steadily growing business. Um, you know, Gold Belly was super, um, careful about how to curate it, the restaurants on the platform. I think it's a little bit more broad based now, more of a kind of a general marketplace on like a curated food experience, which is fine. Um, and then during COVID, I mean, it just, you know, I think our volumes were up like 175% or something crazy. Um, and then going forward, you know, we obviously, we saw some leveling off as kind of life returned to normal, yep. but it's just, it's a cool business. You know, if, if someone's out in, you know, Idaho and they want to try a Mighty Queens, Mighty Queens Brontosaurus rib, you know, a few clicks of the button and it's sitting on their doorstep. So it's, it's a cool business. I think it's going to just because of the cost of shipping, it's, it's something that's more kind of, uh, in the theme of gifting as opposed to like an everyday, you know, resource for your family's meal, right? So it's more like an experiential thing. So it kind of, you know, obviously by virtue of that, Q4 is huge, you know, and holidays are huge, but everything else is a little bit, you know, more more on the chill side from a volume perspective. Do you do you guys do uh LTOs, limited time offers? In the restaurants, yeah. Yeah, the restaurants you do. Yeah. What's what's the reasoning behind the strategy? You know, we're to in a life, lot to make of, life more difficult. <laughs> yeah, we 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 want to make you know create as many headaches as possible <laughs> for the staff and the team. You know, the LTOs are really. I mean, I think like most restaurants, we want to have our regulars, you know, come into the restaurant and be excited to try to try something new. And I think you know the LTO programs are a great way to do that. We can showcase you know seasonally fresh items. Um, and so, for example, like the one we just finished was. A, uh, a pork belly banh mi rice bowl, mm-hmm. um, which was a smoked pork belly um, with just kind of an amazing flavor profile in a, in a rice bowl format. So good for lunch, good for dinner. And coming into the you know the heart of the summer, we're now going to be doing a Mexican street corn um, as a side dish, which is going to be kind of bought on its own or paired with another rice bowl. So I think like as as you get like a lot of regulars, you know, we've been in the city for over ten years now. Um, I think you need that pull to attract both new customers and also keep the menu fresh and exciting. And it's not that there's going to be an LTO every day of the week. It's just when we think there's something seasonally interesting or an opportunity to, to, to kind of, you know, bring something new to the menu, we'll do that. And they typically run, you know, three or four weeks. Can you talk about brand? How do you look at brand? How do you view things, decisions that you make? on a macro level, but also down to a, a micro level of something that you put on your, you know, the, the actual label that you have for a barbecue sauce? Yeah, that's, it's a good question because we found, you know, going back to my comments about using the Mighty Quinn's, you know, IP to kind of scale, we've, we've done that in, you know, in real life. So most recently in the consumer packaged goods space, we had a lot of requests uh, for a bottle, bottle of barbecue sauce, which we started bottling in the commissary and selling to the restaurants. When that business got too big, we had to kind of move that to co-packing. So now we not only sell it in the restaurants, but I think we're currently in around 600 grocery stores um, with the bottled sauce. And then we just launched our bottled wing sauce, um, which actually went live last month. So that'll be hitting the store shelves like this, like now. What do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned in that consumer packaged goods space? Uh, Always co-pack. Always co-pack. Well, for a, product like, for a product like us, when you're doing volume of something that has to be cooked, right? So like our sauce is brought just to a boil before it's before it's done. Yep. 
to do that perfect every time in like a completely sterile, clean environment, it's challenging when you hit a certain volume threshold. You start getting into the decision, hey, do I start buying all this like, you know, shiny stainless steel equipment and huge kettles and sealing equipment? And you just realize that's not the business you want to be in. You want to be in like the Mighty Quinn's brand business. So if we can, if we can partner with, you know, a hundred thousand square foot facility that already has all that equipment in place, like that's just a no brainer. And how do you find, I mean, how do you source relationships and develop relationships? It's, in- it's, yeah, it's really trial and error. You know, we, we've, <laughs> we've gone through a couple different co-packers to make sure, you know, we've, we've had to kill a lot of the conversations at the sample, you know, at the sample stage of testing, because after the third sample, this is just a foreign and sauce. It's not working. We have to just kind of hit the, hit the pause button and, and, you know, turn around and find somebody else. And so we had to do that a few times until we found a co-packer who bought clean ingredients, who understood the flavor profile. Yeah, as you know, like barbecue sauce is all about those little subtle notes. It's yeah. not about like the first thing you taste. So we, we found that in our current partner and it's, it's been a good relationship. Can you talk to me about barbecue criticism? <laughs> barbecue criticism? Yes, like, barbecue criticism. <laughs> like for the category or for Mighty Quinn's? For Mighty Quinn specifically. No, barbecue, as you know, is like, it's one of those things. We're on the coast. We're on the coasts and we're doing barbecue. So, yeah. So, look, thankfully, we can stay out of that whole regional conversation. Like, when somebody in our our area, when they come into the restaurant, it's like, is the barbecue good or not? That's what they care about. It's not about, oh, is this, you know, is this, you know, paying homage to Texas or the Carolinas? Like, you know, what is this? So, we get to kind of stay away from that whole dialogue. But I think for us, like, you know, as you, you know, when you're smoking a brisket for 18 hours, right, there's a window where it's perfect. And then there's another window where it's like 85% of perfect. So we're always trying to thread that needle of having like the best product on the plate. But as you know, like, because there's this, like, everything's not cooked to order, it's not always like a slam dunk perfect, right? We do our best to ensure consistency. That's like consistency is like the holy grail of what we're doing. So that's the focus of really everything. Um, but if there was one critique, I think that, you know, we had to, that we suffered from more so early on than we do now is that get, is getting that timing perfect. One of the things that excites me being in the barbecue space, something that has been around since the beginning of man <laughs> cooking with fire and cooking yeah. meat slowly is, is the advent of all these different tools, these technology tools that help us, you know, once we're out, we're out. But how do we leverage technology, predictive forecasting to give us, you know, the crystal ball of how much is this specific location on Wall Street going to sell so that we're not bringing barbecue that we're not going to sell by the time we close? Any kind of technology tools that you guys are using that you're excited about? Yeah, I think, you know, the focus of, of our team on like the admin side of the restaurant has really been on the tech stack. And, you know, we've implemented a lot of new systems, both to help our existing teams, but also to make sure that franchisees have like all the educational resources at at the click of a button, you know, both video, text, pictures, everything to make it as seamless as possible. And so, you know, we started off with, you know, some of our cooking programs, which are software based, right? Um, You know, they, they regulate humidity, they regulate time and temperature. That's been a huge plus, but also just on the managing of, 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 just sales and PMIX, like we use Toast as well. Um, so I think Toast has a great reporting function. 
Um, on the ERP side, we use Restaurant 365, same deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, those, those two systems integrate. Yep. And just, you know, the, the, the ability to kind of read data off multiple units, different day parts, different hours, like that really helps us out. You know, but when you're doing something for as many years as we have, you look at five years of data, you kind of know, you know, what, what next week will bring. Yeah, it's it's super fascinating to be, like I said, operating a business in 2023. It's one of the things that I, I talk frequently about is that we take the internet for granted, acting like it's been around forever yeah. <laughs> when it really hasn't. And even to the level that it is now, you know, how fast things change. But to your point, if you don't have dependable technology that integrates with one another, then what exactly are you doing? When you guys are vetting somebody new, a vendor, whether it's a tech vendor or any vendor to come in, um, how do you how do you go about the process for partnerships? Yeah, first we kind of hear the pitch. We understand what the service is, what the product is. And then the immediate next step is give us referrals of people who are using your, your software. And we want to hear firsthand like what the experience has been. I think a lot of people try to bring tech to the restaurant industry with a concept that sounds great on paper, but as we know, like, you know, the proof is in the details. And you know, you're already you're you're always demoing kind of buggy systems or things that don't really perform as as expected. And whenever we onboard anything, you know, on a on a 19 unit system, it's a big lift. So it's got to be right. You, it's it's really got to work. We have to know it's going to work before we start that process. So we we kick a lot of tires before we hit the go button. When you when you're thinking about culture and building, recruiting the HR side of the business, the human side of the business, um, how does Mighty Quinns go about? building that culture and recruiting talent? So at the corporate level, fortunately, like our, our core team, we've been together for years and it's yeah. a beautiful thing. You know, we, we, we all have, we all wear multiple hats because we're still a pretty lean operation. And then I think at the store level, you know, our director of ops and his team does an amazing job of finding new managerial talent that understands kind of the passion that it takes to execute barbecue well. And fortunately, on that side, too, we've had, you know, I would say definitely below industry turnover um, at, at the manager level of, of restaurants. And so we always, you know, of course, we want to create a place where people, you know, enjoy coming to every day. It's got to be even though it's a job, it's got to be fun to show up to. And, you know, empowering those GMs with the tools to let them treat that restaurant like they own it um, yeah. and participate in the upside, I think, is, has been important for us. What excites you on a day-to-day basis? What pulls you out of bed? Um, I love a day with no 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 fires to put out. <laughs> That's why you got in the restaurant business. <laughs> yeah, just to find that that utopian day where everything is going right. No, like we we I think our, our my favorite thing is just seeing like you you know you 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 kind of look at the restaurants on a very granular granular level at the per location. You can like analyze the P and L. But the cool thing for me is like just to sit back and then you figure out like how many checks you did the pr- the past week, like the, the thousands of people who interacted with the Mighty Quinn's brand every week. It's it's just a staggering amount of people to think about. You know, yeah. you know, it's like a stadium per week of people, and it's that that just is a huge opportunity to continue to build the brand and you know send people home with with an amazing memory. And I think like when people talk about restaurants and experiential spending, right? we're at the top of the list, I feel, because you're eating every day. So we love being kind of a puzzle piece in in people's life where they can have like a memorable thing like barbecue where they can't make this in the kitchen, right? No one's smoking a rack of ribs in their oven for six hours. So at least in the city. Um, so, So we love being able to offer that. 
when you look at where you started um, with social media and marketing for the brand and look at where you are now, what lessons have you learned or what stories can you share with not just the growth of your own personal brand, but you know, we're talking about it's no longer Twitter, it's X. You have to be on threads. You have to be on TikTok. Like, where do you look at that? You know, you mentioned that you're lean. So it's somebody that 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 weight of all that content, of all that storytelling that's going on multiple parts of the organization, but ultimately it comes down to, you know, the people at the top. So how do you, yeah. how do you look at it? Yeah, social media, as you said, it's an evolving thing, right? You know, we try to be on the platforms where we think our guests are are not looking, that's not necessarily looking for us, but where they're exploring content, right? So that's a great discovery mechanism for the restaurant. So we're, I would tell you, and honestly, we're, we're, we're always a little bit late to like the next thing, which I'm fine with, you know, we were, we just are recently on TikTok. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't rush on when it was, you know, it's, I mean, it's still the thing to do, but you know, we were definitely weren't the first ones on that. So, you know, we don't use it as like the end all be all funnel to attract people into the restaurant. We use it as kind of like a, a, a nice to have, not a need to have. It's like, you know, the, the gravy on the meal. You know, if we can get more people in that discover us on those platforms, great. Otherwise, we'll just have our branded presence there. And, and you know, we'll, we'll definitely spend time on it. You know, we want it to be representative of the brand, but we're not necessarily like, I don't have a team, you know, figuring out how to make the next viral TikTok, which... Yep. You know, some restaurants doing that's fine, but that's just not where we're at. Uh, I noticed how much detail you put into the digital experience, the online ordering experience. I know you guys use Lunchbox, huge fan of uh, the work that they do. I've checked out your app. It's phenomenal. It's sexy. It's easy. Um, I haven't ordered from it, but when I come back, when I come to the Northeast, I definitely will order from it. Can you talk me through the reasoning behind making, I mean, it, it seems it seems like it's such an easy answer, right? Yeah. Let's make it easier to order barbecue online. Yet we're in a product category, you know, specifically in barbecue where it's kind of antiquated. We try to make it, you know, most traditionally it's as hard as possible to get barbecue from, you know, some of the greatest brands. Yeah. So the app is great because as you know, especially for like the a lunch crowd, it's all about speed and efficiency yes. and getting the order right. So when we think about throughput, order ahead is a big part of that. So that's, you know, that's kind of the sole purpose of the app's existence. But if you think about like the content on our website, when we opened Mighty Quinn's, our website was all, was a big about us section. It was just like, here's, here's the brand. Here's what we do. Here's where we came from. And now it's all transactional. Like the biggest thing that catches your eye is order now or order online. Right. And then there's a catering button to order catering. So we know that people are not coming to the website to like scroll through and read about our history. It's like, do they want barbecue or do they not? And if they do make it convenient and super seamless to order. And so that's why the med- the website is now really just a funnel to order, right? We find where you, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find your nearest location or the website will find it for you. And hopefully, you know, we've done a good job on making the layout very intuitive to, and, and easy to order. How do you continue your education, your personal growth, your personal development as a leader? What are the things that you do? Um, you know, I think that every day as we kind of explore new things like the CPG business or opening up in a new market, just acknowledging the fact that you know, like the education is the journey. And like since, since, as the journey never stops, neither does the education. So having an open mind that even though you know we've been in this game for a while, that we don't know everything. And if we do think we know everything, then you know you're probably not going to kind of move past 
where you are now. So just being thirsty for new education to understand, you know, how guests are interacting with us, how they find us, you know, a cooler way to order, adding convenience to everything while maintaining consistency. We know because it's never, you know, exactly where we want it to be. We're always striving to push the ball forward. And so I feel like it's that constant pursuit of, I mean, this sounds a little cheesy, but like the pursuit of excellence, making every order perfect and knowing we're not there yet. I think that's what kind of continually pushes us forward, makes us look at that new tech tool that's going to enhance efficiency or, you know, minimize, you know, mistakes, that kind of stuff. Are you someone that lives in the present, lives in the future, or worries about what happened in the past? <laughs> uh, I think I think definitely more future. Um, you know, I come from a Wall Street background, so it's always about like what what's the news tomorrow, not today. So that, that's, in, that's that's ingrained in my head. So definitely the future. You know, when you look into the future, how far do you forecast of the future? What what are the the big vision? If you look back on this interview and you go, man, I didn't think we didn't we didn't dream big enough for this brand. Well, I mean, where where do you see that? Yeah, it's I think it's all well in terms of growth, I think it's always a push and you know, a tug of war between growing fast and 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 not messing it up. Yeah. And so there's no there's no clear equation for that. And you know, I think that in our early stages of growth, you know, we went from one location to four locations in two years. In hindsight, we wish we would have done one a year instead of that huge leap forward. Really? Yeah. So now though, you know, many years later, I think we have the runway and the team, we, the thing that we, that we should have known back then is the size of the team, the foundational investment you need to make to scale correctly. Now we know that. And so now I feel much more confident that, you know, the next seven to 20 stores we can handle. So, you know, looking, if, you know, if I fast forward a year and look back from today, um, you know, I, I might, I may, you know, want to tell my, historic self that we didn't we didn't move fast enough because we're very cautious and i think like we've done a good job of building that foundation and we could probably apply you know probably grow pretty quickly when you when i when when we think about the hospitality industry we spend you know it's in our dna to take care of people we take care of our customers we take care of our staff we take care of our village our communities wherever our restaurants are located but very rarely do we take care of ourselves and as someone with a Wall Street background and now a restaurant background, what do you do to prioritize your own mental health, mental fitness, physical fitness? Uh, yes, I, I mean, I guess the, the one thing, like being in, in the city, you, I grew up in LA, which is very much more of an outdoor lifestyle. You know, yep. there's courts everywhere, there's hiking trails everywhere. Now being in the city, you know, it's a little bit, you're a little bit more closed in. Um, but I think, for me personally, like just, you know, making sure that you hit the gym on some regular basis just keeps me mentally sane. Um, when my, like my wife and I go away for like a week and like, there's no gym in sight. Like I just feel myself getting like, you know, short fused and yeah. just not relaxed. And I don't know, I think like just making sure like what balance in life definitely includes like physical exertion. And without that other, other pressure valves start to pop. So that that's the outlet for me. For someone like you that I know you speak on panels, I know you speak at conferences, I know you're on podcasts. It's something that I encourage anyone that's listening to the show, no matter what position, if you're a founder, if you're a sales professional, marketing professional, the more that you put yourself out there, the more that people can learn about you, the better that you get at it. Um, 
for you, what's where's the ROI in the time that you are investing in building your own personal brand? Yeah, I don't really think about it too much in that regard. I just I, I enjoy talking to people on different topics. I enjoy kind of the the thought process or the the, the kind of verbal exploration of restaurant trends with people yeah. who are much more experienced than me and kind of understand you know using that as a way to understand where things are headed. So I, I, I almost use it more as an educational tool than like a, you know, a brand growing tool. I think every time we have one of these panels or conversations or podcasts, people ask interesting questions, um, which is great. But, you know, I think just a derivative of that is people learning about the Mighty Quinn's brand. But that's an un, not necessarily like the intention of, of, of talking to, you know, on, to people like yourselves or on yeah. panels. Yeah, you hit it. You hit it on the head. It's almost it's, it's business therapy for me, yeah. <laughs> honestly, for, for me to have a conversation with you and all the guests that I get to have on the show. Or if I go to a conference, I'm always trying to figure out, you know, what my grandfather initially taught me, which was to stay curious, to get involved and then to ask for help. You know, curiosity will put you in a situation where you're listening to a podcast, reading a book, attending a conference, but then you actually have to do something. You know, you can't just get the information and not do anything about it. And then finally, you know, it's building a network of people that, you know, you respect and that are playing the game at a much higher level than you are. And you, you know, you ask for notes. No, <laughs> how did you, how you, did know, you do I've what met, you do? I've met like people that I never would have met, you know, founders of these huge companies, guys who are innovating in, in, the, in the restaurant category that I never, that would have never been part of my social circle of not going to these conferences and, and speaking on these panels and talking to people. And the insight and just the relationships you you glean from that. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. Um, so every single week on Wednesday and Friday on the social audio app clubhouse, um, it's a chance for you, the listener. Uh, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, uh, it's a chance for you to come on stage and tell us about your restaurant. Tell us about uh, if you're a sales professional, marketing professional, content creator. Um, it's kind of a mastermind, digital hospitality professionals from all over. Uh, every week we do a social shout out. This week's shout out goes to Michael Potter from Adentro Marketing. Michael, we appreciate you coming on stage. Michael does some uh, some awesome work with Adentro Marketing. But I wanted to give you a chance, Misha, to shout out one person. Um, I know everyone always wants to shout out the entire team, but give me one person from the Mighty Quinn's brand um, that's gone above and beyond recently that you'd like to uh, give a shout out on Entrepreneur. Oh, wow. <laughs> on the that's spot. Like say, that's the say, hey, which, which, which one's your favorite which, kid? <laughs> which, is, which is your favorite restaurant? <laughs> uh, look, I, I can't single it out. I think like, it, you know, I mentioned like, I mentioned the team has been with us for so many years and that's because they treat Mighty Quinn's like it's theirs. And I'm just astounded by the passion uh, and, and the time that, that our team dedicates to making Mighty Quinn's great. And I have to give a blanket shout out to, to the team. I can't, I can't. Um, not one person? Not one person. Sean, you've, one been, person. You've, been, you've been great on getting the, the text tag story out there. So I'm going to give a shout out to you. Oh, I appreciate it. You're the first, the first guest that's given me the text, the the personal shout out. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'll accept that. I I appreciate it, but uh, I'm honored to have a conversation with you. So, real quick, we're gonna do uh, what we like to go through is the smartphone storytelling. Every everyone has uh, the ability to be their own media company. It's all in our pocket. But I want to learn about your your smartphone usage, iPhone yeah. or Android. iPhone. iPhone, the newest edition, or do you wait? I wait. How long do you wait? I wait until they start draining my battery and tell me to buy a new iPhone. 
Fair enough. Do you listen yeah. to Do you listen to music on Apple Apple Music or Spotify? Um, more uh, Spotify. Spotify. Uh, yeah. Do you prefer texts or emails? Uh, texts. Do you Does your organization use Slack? No. So no. So it, out of, if you're communicating with the team, what do you guys use? Email typically. Email typically got it. Yeah. Uh, do you do you prefer phone calls or text? Oh, uh, it depends on the topic. I'm either or. Either or. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite app? Just in general, or restaurant? Just in related? general. No, no, not not restaurant related. The the most used app. The most used app. That's a tough one. Um, wow. Never asked that question before. Probably. The one I check most most frequently is probably Bloomberg. Bloomberg, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just I, everything that kind of happens in our in our in our industry is somehow market dependent. You know, what are interest rates doing? Unemployment, you know, commodity prices, and just from being a hedge fund nerd back in the day, it's just it's ingrained in me to wake up and, and check Bloomberg. What is your least favorite notifications? Honestly, I turn most of them off. Most of them are. Are you an inbox zero person? No, definitely not. But I don't how many, like how many I, emails. How many emails do you get a day? Uh, a day, a few hundred. Few hundred. How yeah. many? How many do you do you respond to most, or do you ghost most? No, I mean, my policy, my my goal on email is to get back to whoever is emailing me within twenty four hours. Okay. So typically, if I have downtime, like I'll try to knock out all of them in one shot. Um, I don't like not responding to people. Of course, we always, we always get the million sales solicitations. Those get flagged to junk. But in terms of like actual emails, like I just try to get them out quickly. Do you take photos or videos? <laughs> or neither? Uh, not do more. I uh, probably more photos. More photos? Yeah. What's your personal favorite social media platform for yourself? Just in terms of like... Uh, viewing or that we use for you posting? use that you oh, use that. for posting oh um i'm only on one well i'm on i'm on linkedin I i've seen twitter. you on x i see you on x you know oh is it x now i'm on x <laughs> but i don't um i don't really use it more so i just i have an account just to follow other people but i don't yep. like post or use it um yep. but no I, I would say x or twitter twitter is great Kind of for kind of real time newsfeed, yeah, and um, and then obviously LinkedIn is great just to keep tabs on all the industry stuff that's going on. That's awesome. So yeah. if uh, people want to learn more about the Mighty Quinns franchise opportunities, about the brand, let them know where to go. Yeah, so MightyQuinnsFranchise.com is a great first resource um, for people who are interested. We do have a short kind of lead form, and we have a director of development who handles all inquiries, Alfred, who is the man, and he would get back to you shortly if, if anyone's interested. There you go. Um, and it's Mighty Quinn BBQ. Uh, Misha, we appreciate you. If you guys want to get in touch with me, it's at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. We appreciate you listening to the show. Please share it with a friend. Please go enjoy some Mighty Quinn's barbecue if you are in the Northeast. Actually, you guys are what? All, all over the East. You're in Florida too, right? Yeah, we opened in Florida last year. Yeah, Tampa. Sweet. Shout out to Tampa. There you go. Shout out Tampa. If you're in uh, Tampa, go get some incredible barbecue. 
But uh, Misha, we appreciate your time. Uh, we look forward to staying in touch. If if you or anyone from the team make it to San Diego, please uh, please come out and have some barbecue, some Cali barbecue. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. The best way that you can help us with the show is to subscribe and write a review. We love the opportunity to connect with you no matter where you are on the globe, no matter what restaurant you are running. Please send us a DM on social at Sean P. Walchef. If you are interested in toast, if you want to improve your digital hospitality, please send me a DM. I will get you in touch with a local toast representative. We appreciate you listening to this show. The best way that you can help the show is share it with a friend and we will catch you all next week or we will see you on one of the digital playgrounds that we call social media.